Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.07 on a Saturday morning, 41.9 degrees outside. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia Gardener, and I'm here to help you be more successful, bring a little happiness into your life, and to remind you that there's only a few more days till Christmas and Hanukkah and all the reasons that we give gifts to everybody to remember that this is a season of giving, and this is a season of reminding each other that we have Lots of positive things in our lives. There may be some negative things in your lives. The election may or may not have pleased you for the past uh, couple of weeks, and, but there are still positive things to remember, and one of them is family and friends. And that family and friends extends throughout the neighborhood, throughout the country, throughout the world. We have people who still want to be friends with us. Our number at, four, at Lawn and Garden is 404-872-0750, 404-872-0750. And the new way that you can ask questions if you just can't get to a computer but are on your cell phone and would rather not hold and be on the phone with me, you can Twitter, use Twitter, tweet to me. Give me a tweet at Walter Reeves or hashtag AskWalter. If you have a Twitter account, just hashtag AskWalter. And any questions you have, Ashley will read them out during the show, and Ashley will, you know, will respond. We'll try to do our best that we can do to have your Twitter questions answered as well. What have I done this week? I have been thankful. I have been thankful for, you know what, you know what happened? Wednesday, it rained all over Georgia. 100% rain on Wednesday, some on Thursday. It was terrific, I think, finally. Finally, finally, my bulbs get to be put out. And one of the things I was thinking about, you know, rain is, is forecast for tomorrow, right? Saturday, I mean, Sunday and some of Monday maybe too. And thinking about that, this may be the latest I have ever said, you know, listeners, this would be about the time we should put our pre-emergent out. <laughs> Normally, pre-emergent for weed control in the wintertime would go out in September, Two months ago, easy two months ago, put your pre-emergent out in September because it's going to rain in October and November and December and the weeds will be all crazy growing up if you don't put a pre-emergent out on your lawn or parts of your landscape to keep the little winter weeds from sprouting. But I've noticed, and you may have too, there are very, very, very few winter weeds that have sprouted so far. Now, after the rain, the other day, they're going to sprout because weeds, that's what they need. They need a little bit of moisture in the soil. And so the chickweed, one of the places I least expected to see chickweed was a bed next to a fast food place that I pulled up and the bed had been dug maybe a week or two ago. And there were little tiny little sprouts of chickweed that just started in the corner there. And I thought, man, this is a time of year where Walter would be talking about spot spray chickweed masses that have already sort of invading underneath the mulch and underneath the uh, edges of your lawn and places like that. That's normally what I'd be saying in December. Right now, the chickweed has just started sprouting because the drought has affected it about as much as any other plant. And that has been really 
knocking it back, making it not want to grow, not anything grow. If you could irrigate your fescue, of course, fescue lawns that have been irrigated, planted back in September and irrigated, they look great. They are green. They are beautiful. They are lush and gorgeous. So that's one good thing if you have an irrigation system by remembering everybody, of course, that we still have the odd even system that is now in effect of even watering on Wednesdays and Saturdays and odd addresses water on Thursdays and Sundays between the hours of uh, uh, 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. And uh, one of the things that I was thinking about earlier uh, this week as far as the drought goes, that the lawns, the Bermuda and Zoysia lawns, Bermuda in particular, I think they're the ones that I saw was struggling probably a little bit more than any other lawn because of the dry weather. Bermuda lawns were starting to go dormant around the 1st to the middle of September as they normally would, but then there was no rain. And so those Bermuda lawns, which we normally expect to be nice and brown and sort of evenly tan, I guess we'd call the color, during the wintertime, and then they spring back into green next spring, I'm really, really wondering what Bermuda lawns are going to look like next spring. There's going to be a lot of calls in here. And people say, you know, I have a great big dead spot in my Bermuda lawn. All I'm going to theorize for them is, well, that was the spot where it got so dried out that the Bermuda has not been able to save up enough of its energy, enough of its crown growth to come back up and, gr and green up in, in April of next year, and that's why it's all dead. Or be very slow to green up. People will say, my Bermuda lawn usually is green, and I'm mowing it by the end of April. But maybe next year, 2017, the Bermuda lawns will be looking pretty thin by April, still struggling to get greened up again. So we may have some other advice about how to fertilize lawns, about when to fertilize lawns, about when to even to put out a pre-emergent next year to keep weeds away from our lawn. There'll be all sorts of things that have been, that have been uh, caused by this drought. Tree death, as I hate to say, sometimes will result from it. Tree death, we can't ascribe any other cause for the death of the tree. When folks look out in June, July, August of next year, they look up and see a tree that was pretty, looking pretty good, but, you know, sort of on the edge back in April, May, and all of a sudden, boom, it just turns yellow and dies. Sometimes that's because the root system was not able to recover from dry weather back in 2016. The extended period of dry weather is going to have lots of effects this year and next, and we will just have to struggle through it and see what happens. It's unprecedented to not have rain for over a month. Not a single drop of rain for over a month. What is it going to do to our landscape? We, I guess we'll find out. Coming up in the next half hour, we'll have Charles and Morrow, who wants to know about planting grass now, and just what we should be done, and how about he do that, and Carrie, and Atlanta wants to know about cutting her rosemary back. We do have a call. First call of the morning came down from Griffin, Georgia, and our friend Nicole. Good morning, Nicole. Miss Ray. How you doing, Nicole? Well... Usually life is good, but this week, oh boy. <laughs> oh, no. What happened? Uh, at first, I wanted to say uh, happy birthday, Ashley. Uh, birthday is coming on Wednesday. No, no. Oh, birthday. One year more beautiful. Yeah. There she is. Yes, yes. Well, I got up on Sunday morning at yeah. 3 o'clock. Yeah. And I walk in my driveway. No car. What happened? <laughs> Somebody came and got it. Somebody came and got you. Oh, my gosh, Nicole. My little pickup truck, Mr. Reeve. I have this little pickup truck because right. it suits me. I got used to it for 19 years. Who Why would, they couldn't take a new car? Who would want a 19-year-old pickup truck? Who, what heinous uh, person would want a truck like that? 
Maybe for the parts, you know. But the worst, <laughs> my purse was inside. Oh, boy. So it's a full-time job now. Okay, yeah. credit card, go to the bank, and mm. yeah. Mm. So you think, I've been here for 20 years, never had a rock displaced or anything. Right. You think you're safe? Right. Not anymore. In Griffin, Georgia. Wow. There's too many young people walking on Monday morning without no ah, no goal in life yeah, or anything. Yeah. Just seeing what's in there, and if you find a purse or find a way to... Were the, were the keys in there as well? How did they start and get gone? <laughs> the keys are in it, too. Oh, Nicole. Oh, no. <laughs> Man, yeah, it's the same thing. You have a, I mean, most of us hopefully go through the year and not have car accidents. With that one car accident, that one time you back into somebody in the parking lot of a, a department store or something like that, you think, what? Why? I haven't had any accidents like this. I've been so careful for 10, 15, 20 years, and all of a sudden, some nobody comes back and backs into me. And you left the keys and your purse and the door open and the truck in the driveway, 19 years old, and somebody's joyriding around Spalding County now saying, Woo! Oh, boy. They're oh. just really disappointed. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I guess life go on. Boy, boy, I had a heck of a week. <laughs> you have to replace all the stuff that was in your purse, your driver's license, credit cards you already mentioned. And find uh, me another car. And find another car. <laughs> <laughs> what are you looking to get? Another pickup truck. You know, I never had a... Uh, a car because I couldn't get in and out. I was just yeah, too yeah. low from the ground. I don't see anything. A pickup truck is so easy, yeah. you know. And I have a lot of hauling uh, moss and yeah, plants, and the car's no way. good for me. I'm sure. I have a Toyota Highlander, and I remember picking it out specifically because the back of it was so big that I could put bales of hay and straw and everything in the back of it and my tiller and shovels because I was doing television back then and I needed all my tools and all my plants and things to be covered. I couldn't put it just in the back of an open pickup truck so I chose this Toyota Highlander for that reason and I've had it now for 2004 for 12 years and um, I've been very pleased with it but there's nothing wrong with it mechanically and it continues to run so I'll probably keep it for as long as it wants to run with me. Yeah, because nowadays the car, I, I had to rent a car. This mm. thing had this morning light in the dash, and you said it's a tire check. Okay, you got to get off to see off your tire. You know, it's it's a piece of a, ah, I would never buy a car like this. There's always something wrong. The brake, I mean, it's a brand new car. The brake are no good. The transmission's already slipping. <laughs> mm. ah. You used Toyota or used uh Little Honda truck. Little Toyota trucks seem to be pretty reliable. Uh, get one of those. Oh. Mm. Mm. But anyway, it's a full-time job. I have to, I have probably 200 uh, tulip balls that sit <laughs> on the ground, and I cannot plant. I'm hoping, you know, the ground will be so soft yeah. that I can do that. Yeah, I have the good. same way. I have some garlic uh, bulbs, some uh, actually ornamental, uh, orni ornamental onion bulbs that I have and some snowdrop bulbs that came in just the middle of the week and I knew that the rain was going to soften the soil so that's what I'm going to do today is plant bulbs. 
Well, life go on. Life goes on, indeed it does. <laughs> and we need to get out of here. But gosh, Nicole, I'm so sorry about your truck. I hope you find something equally as lovable and utilitarian and uh, that the lesson learned is, okay, I can't leave my keys and purse in the car anymore. Ah, boy, uh, I wish other women listened to me and make good sense. Say the same thing. If you're, if you're leaving anything valuable in your car, no matter where you live, Take it out, bring it inside, lock the car. That's the way it is. All right. Enjoy All right. your day. I'll see you next Saturday, Nicole. Bye. See you then. It's 618. You'll be right back to Lawn and Garden after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, correct knowledge weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Cloudy skies teasing us all day long. Promising showers, but it's not going to happen until probably tomorrow. 20% chance of showers today. Afternoon highs only reaching in the upper 50s, so still a little bit chilly outside. Tonight, rain moves into the metro area. 90% chance of a good soaking. Overnight lows in the mid-40s. Stay tuned. Atlanta's most accurate and dependable forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Charles from Mara comes to us right this very minute. Hey, Charles. Good morning. Morning. How you doing? I'm all right, Charles. What can I do for you? Okay. Uh, yesterday, I had a couple of large trees taken out of my yard. Yeah. Been ground the stumps and uh, hauled off all the chips, and uh, still got dirt mixed with some of the chips. Yeah. Uh, and I was wondering about going ahead and uh, tilling that up, and uh, I got quite an area here where the grass wouldn't grow because of the trees. But anyhow, uh, good area to till up and uh, plant the uh, uh, ryegrass. Would that be uh, feasible with the rain coming and all? What about mixing ryegrass and fescue grass together? Are you going to eventually have mostly fescue there, do you think? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. I would mix rye and fescue. The soil is cool enough now that I'm I, during the September through October time when the soil is still pretty warm. People will call and say, "Should I mix fescue and rye because the rye germinates a little faster?" And then I say, "Nah, let's just stay with fescue. The soil is warm. We have plenty of time. It's not going to get cold quickly." Da 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 da. Okay, now we're in December, first of December, and the soil is cool enough now that the fescue is a little slowed down in its germination, but it will germinate still. It just takes a little bit longer. Whereas ryegrass will be a day or two earlier and will cover things up. So was I you, I think, Charles? I would go 40% ryegrass and uh, 60% fescue. And so if you're, let's say you're putting down five pounds of, uh, of rye, uh, five pounds of seed per thousand square feet, go out there and figure out how many square feet you're going to do and put two pounds of ryegrass and three pounds of fescue grass, mix those together, and that covers a thousand square feet. That's what I would do. Oh, okay. That sounds pretty good, and I I didn't know you know it's going to be too cool. Or I I've got a heck of a wash place, so yeah. I, I don't know to go ahead and waste them seed or not, where it's going to wash it out yeah, or not. It'll I, germinate. I, it'll germinate now if it's heavily, you know, if rain comes down really heavily tomorrow. You may wash out, so you got to think: do I have that much slope, or should I plant the seed after the rain, or what you're going to do? But I still think Ryan Fescue mix it. 22 pounds of rye and 3 pounds of fescue grass would be about the right ratio. Thanks for calling, Charles. We'll see you soon.
studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.35 on a Saturday morning, 41.6 degrees outside. Still in sort of the chilly, chilly side outside, but not terribly cold. Plenty of things to do in the garden today. If you have ideas about what you would like to do, what you're finally able to do because the soil is softer, if you need to know if you're going to plant things, if it's still okay to plant things, watering things, all the things you need to know about when, where, what, and how to do in your landscape, you can give me a call at 404-872-0750, or you can tweet her. Tweet. I'm still never sure what to say. You can tweet me. Use Twitter. You can use Twitter. Hashtag AskWalter. We'll go to the phones. Mike is out in Conyers and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Conversation with Charles. You basically answered some of my questions about Ryan Fescue and the timing and so forth. Yeah. We have a pasture, though, that has, uh, we'll say, 50% Bermuda and then weeds and so forth. Yeah. And we do have some a good bit of exposed dirt when you look closely at the soil. As you said, the weeds have not germinated. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll overseed with rye and fescue. But in light of your comment about Bermuda possibly not making it back this <laughs> spring, yeah. I'm concerned about uh, whether or not it might be advisable to plant uh, something else like Crabgrass. I believe I read an article by the USDA. I've, two different sources have told me that crabgrass is actually a nutritious uh, uh, grass for cattle, which we have on this pasture. Sure. So sure. I'd like to kind of try to pick your brain on the timing on that or any other recommendations. But if it's more likely that the crabgrass would come up in the spring than the Bermuda, then we're you know, we'd like to think ahead on that. Yeah, sure. I, I understand what you're talking about. And in the article that you've read is correct. Right, crabgrass can be a nutritional additive or can be planted in pastures to feed cattle. The problem is, I think the article you're referring to was research-based, not practical-based. In other words, nobody sells crabgrass seed anymore. The the researchers found some place that would sell them five pounds of crabgrass seed. They spread it. They measured the nutri- nutritional value for dairy animals and beef animals. Found that they gained just fine using the crabgrass and they published a paper. Are you there, Mike? Mike? Yes. Okay, I got a lot of, I got a wind noise there in the microphone. So I think the, the conclusion was that yes, crabgrass could be used. It's an annual grass. You know that because it, you know, comes up from seed in the spring and then it dies off in the fall. So that limits its utility in some situations for farmers who are wanting a more okay. permanent grass like Bermuda or fescue. So you heard right. Crabgrass can feed cows. Cows have eaten crabgrass for millennia, but um, whether you can find the crabgrass seed is the other problem, which I don't think you'll be able to find crabgrass seed in the quantities that, that you want. So I'm going back. Let's go back to rye, ryegrass and fescue grass. I think those are fine choices. The thing that you need to worry a little bit about is um, 
controlling how much access the cows have to the newly sprouted grass because they'll either trample yeah. it or they'll eat a lot of it and then they'll get bloated and sick and then we don't want that. So be careful. I'm not enough of a pasture grower to know exactly how much ryegrass you can expose them to at one time, but it's the kind of thing that maybe calling the extension service there in Conyers and uh, asking what they think would be a best course for you might be a better idea than talking to me. Okay. All righty. Well, um, thank you very much. All right, uh, but be careful. If you, you find a, if you find a source of crabgrass that in quantities big enough to plant a pasture, let me know, Mike. I would love <laughs> yeah. to know whether you find that well, crabgrass. Seed. It ought to be pretty cheap. Not too many people would want it. I would think. <laughs> That's <So>. exactly right. <laughs> All right, thank you. All right, Mike. Thanks for calling. Great question, boy. I love those out of the left field questions that, that uh, have. Some truth, some not so much truth, some utility, and some not. That is a great question. I really appreciate that call. Carl's out in Druid Hills, and Carl joins us. Hey, Carl, good morning. Hello, Walter. How hey, are Carl. you today? I'm great. What can I do for you? Beautiful. My apartments two years ago, and I called you then, I was so concerned they planted oaks and maple, yeah. but it was in the very blistering cold of the winter, okay. and they dug so deep, and I didn't understand so I go to the Pikes Nursery at uh, Toco Hills. They explained it to me. The trees are beautiful. Great. But what I'm calling about is I have a bamboo plant. Now, the first one I had lasted almost three years. It was yeah. great. Died. And now I have one, and my friend helped me put it in pebbles and stuff. Yeah. And I was nervous because I was away for three weeks. And I came back, it's still beautiful, and I watered it. So what is the watering schedule of a uh, bamboo plant? So are we talking the bamboo plant uses a houseplant, the dracaena, that you put in water and pebbles and marbles and things like that? Yes, it's a bamboo plant that I put in pebbles, and it's in a little container. But like I said, the first one lasted almost three years. Sure. And this one I, I, I want to last long, but I was nervous because I was away for three weeks without watering it. The Dracaena is a remarkable plant, and it can stand being in water that other plants would say, good Lord, look at the root rot. <laughs> Just die on you. You know, the peace lily and uh, all the other, most of the other house plants you'd have, you could never leave them in that much water and have them survive. Whereas the Dracaena that is used as the lucky bamboo or whatever people call it, can live in water for a long time. I think that what you have to do Carl, it simply changed the water more regularly than you would ever think of doing, would ever have to do on any other plant. So you can leave it in the marbles. It will live there happily for year upon year upon year. Change the water every, I'm saying six months or so would be about right. And I think that's nothing more than tip the container over over your sink and drain the water out and put another change of water in, swish it around a little bit, drain that out, put another bit of water in there that's about to the right level, and go about your business. All right. Thank you, Walter. I don't know that I would ever fertilize it, Carl, but a pinch is all it might need. A little bitty, bitty, bitty pinch of fertilizer each time you, you renew the water, but, but no more than a sixteenth of a teaspoon, just a little bit of fertilizer in there to replace the nutrients in the in the soil. Thanks for calling. We got Johnny and Monticello who joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Johnny, good morning. Hey, good morning. How's it going on, Jasper County? My, Jasper County, looking good. Yes, sir, what? I've got a, I've got a five, six-year-old pear tree, and every year it hasn't bared except the last two years. The last two years it did bear, it bared eight 
the 10 pairs about the size of a half dollar in the tippy top of it. <laughs> All right. Why? <laughs> well, uh, we why is a very deep we question. We do everything. Uh, some people think that I have extraterrestrial, uh, extrasensory perception on trees that I know why they do things, and all I can do sometimes is deduce why. Yes, sir. All right, the reason for, or the, the thing that makes a tree want to bloom, obviously, is it wants to reproduce itself. And the way that it reproduces itself is to put leaves around a central budding point that makes a flower. And the flower gets pollinated, makes fruit, and you got a pear, you got a seed, and that's what the tree wants. One more pears. Not for Johnny, but for the seed, for the tree itself. That, that's right. So my guess is there were not enough leaves on the tree to initiate that little bloom bud point, which would lead to flowers. Only the top of the tree got enough sunshine to stimulate leaves enough to make the flowering. So... Does that give me something to tell Johnny to do? Yes, yes it does. Sir. Yes, yes, sir. And, and the, the other part is they're bearing very late. Like right now, I have those same pears wow. in the tree right now. Right. And and like I said, half dollar size. But they're not bearing until right before frost. And hmm. it, it, I don't understand it. Well, you say, how old are the trees? Five years old, Johnny? Five to six. Yes, sir. It's still within the realm of possibility. Those trees are still young and trying to get a good root system that they're happy with and not be affected by the drought, etc., etc. So I'm going to say the thing that you need to do, Johnny, is to fertilize. That fertilization does a great thing to push on new leaves. And that's what you want next spring is more new leaves. Yeah, the nitrates, right? Well, right, yeah, right now, it's not going to do a whole lot for you to fertilize because the leaves are pretty much all off the tree, and it can't mm -hmm. do much of anything with fertilizer when you fertilize with no leaves on the tree. But next spring, early next spring, I'm talking February, early March of next year, you uh -huh. can put down a moderate amount of fertilizer. 10-10-10 would suit me fine, I guess, but you could use other okay. fertilizers if you do a soil test, and that wouldn't be a bad thing either, Brother Johnny, is do a soil test. Find out right. exactly what's in the soil. It's cheap and easy. You can go to the Jasper County Extension office and call them up maybe and say, hey there, what's it going to cost and where do I bring my dirt? And they'll tell you about bringing the dirt in, bringing a check for $5 or $8 or whatever it costs, and... Uh, you got plenty of time to get the soil test back, and they'll say, well, Johnny, you need lime. And you go out and you okay. put your lime out there. Johnny, you're going to need fertilizer. Put it down the 1st of February, 1st of March. Put that out there. And in April, or very early April, I guess, when the pear tree blooms, you'll see lots and lots and lots of flowers on it. Great, fabulous, wonderful. And by May, maybe it's more fruit than you have now. Yeah, hopefully if the rain or wind don't blow the buds off. <laughs> <laughs> There's lots of things between now and enjoying pears next summer, but if you get lucky and hold your mouth right, Johnny, and fertilize in the spring, I think you'll be fine. All right. Appreciate it, Walter. Soil test, soil test, soil test. That might be the best thing you can do all season long. Yes, sir. I'll look into it. All right, I Johnny. appreciate it. All right, man. We'll see you soon. Thanks. By the way, if you think yourself that you would like to do a soil test, there's a couple of ways to find the information about it. You can do it yourself. In other words, you can uh, get the package that you put the soil in and mail it off, all the postage is taken care of, by, by going to the website, georgiasoiltest.com. That's one way. Second way, if you go around uh, to the nurseries around Atlanta, Pike almost always has a soil test kit, a little box of them by the cash register. So call your local Pike and say, do you have soil test kits there? And they say, yes. You go by and pick one up and send your, send your soil in that way. Or if you want to do it through your own local University of Georgia office, you can call 1-800-ASK-UGA-1. 
1-800-ASK-UGA-1 and call them up or leave a message today and they'll call you back on Monday morning and tell you what their procedure is for submitting soil tests there. But soil testing right now is a great thing to do because really not much you can do per se for the plants, but you can prepare yourself for fertilizing, liming, doing the things you need to do during the winter and spring. Wayne is, I guess, out down there in Stockbridge in Henry County. And Wayne joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Wayne, good morning. Good morning, Walter. You know, Wayne, I just looked at the clock, and I can tell why Scott has an agitated look on his face right now, <laughs> which means, Wayne, if I want to give you any kind of good advice, I need more than 42 seconds, which I'm given right this minute before Scott's going to say we've got to take a break. So what I'm going to do, Wayne, is put you on hold, and we'll put you on hold, and then we'll come back. How about that? That's good. All right, Wayne, hold on, man. We'll see you soon, and we'll be back right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves for the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. You got something to do in the garden, you better do it today because tomorrow you have a 90% pretty close to 100% chance of rain. Soggy tomorrow. The metro region seeing cloudy and overcast skies today. Highs only reaching the upper 50s. The real action kicks in overnight. Cloudy skies bring in that rain. Lows down into the mid-40s. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Our phone number 404-872-0750 or on Twitter, hashtag AskWalter. Tanya is in McDonough and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Tanya, good morning. Good morning. How can I help? Um, yes, I have four crepe myrtles. They're three or four years old, and they have gotten a black spot um, kind of mold on them, on yeah. the leaves yeah. and the trunk. Yeah. Um, with, with them fixing to lose their leaves now, what do I need to do with them? Nothing. I have good news for you, Tony. I'll tell you why it's there. And I have my apologies to Wayne. I just forgot that Wayne was supposed to come before you, Tanya. Wayne, if you'll be patient, I promise you'll be first in line in the next half hour. Put the phone down. We won't come back. But if you're patient, we'll get to Wayne in the next uh, next hour. But, Tanya, the blackness on the leaves most likely is caused by honeydew that drops down from crepe myrtle aphids, which are very, very high populations this year because we didn't have a killing frost. We still haven't really had a killing frost. Mm -hmm. And so other than the rain washing them out of the crepe myrtle trees, that's the only control for crepe myrtle aphids, those in yellow jackets to a certain extent too. But um, people over the last ooh, two or three weeks, probably Tanya, have emailed me and commented to me when I talked to them saying there's, the, the leaves are real sticky this year, and i got this sticky stuff coming out of the trees. What is that sticky stuff all over my windshield? And it is the honeydew, the undigested sap that a uh, aphid sucks out of the leaves of crepe myrtles and oak trees and uh-huh. sweet gum trees and things like that. And when the honeydew falls on leaves, it causes this sooty mold, this black sooty mold to grow, and that's what you're seeing on your crepe myrtle leaves, a sooty uh-huh. mold there. So either one or two things. Number one, you could pray for an early frost next year, which will make no crepe myrtle aphid will be able to survive that. Or you could say, I just want to make sure I'm not going to have any crepe myrtle aphids next year. And you could put what's called a a systemic insecticide on the ground around the trees anytime during the summer you wanted to, really. And it'll prepare the tree by making the sap poisonous and the aphids won't be able to survive the uh, 
systemic okay. insecticide. Either choice is yours, but uh, that's what causes the black leaves on the crepe myrtle tree. And you said that that's been a problem this this, this past year in year, particular huh? because it just has such a late fall, warm weather right. and dry, and the aphid population just boomed, exploded. In fact, I have a big crepe myrtle in my front yard, and I would come in. And I would sit at the desk or the dinner table or something, and I'd feel something creepy crawly on my neck, and I'd reach back there, and there's a crepe myrtle aphid. And I'd, pretty soon there were so many of them, I'd just pinch them, squash them, wipe my fingers off on the napkin on the table, and right. that was it. But they would be all over my neck and collar and crawling on my hair and things like that when I came in the door. Okay. And that would have caused them to not do very well this summer because they, they did not produce the flowers like they usually do they could possibly have something to do with it as well yes okay okay then then i won't do anything and we'll see what happens great myrtle aphid that's what you got thanks for calling tanya all right thank you 404-872-0750 is the number on lawn and garden twitter using twitter at hashtag ask walter wayne you will be first in line in the next hour i promise we'll talk about your termites for chris and canton we'll talk about fertilizing these fruit trees as well we'll be back right after news that is burning in its green.